This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, Parshas Tezriah Mitzorah 5780. So I know that this year is actually Rosh Chodesh, and that even though it's Parshas Tezriah Mitzorah, we're dealing with Rosh Chodesh, right? I realize that that's, uh, we're dealing with a half Torah that is, Hashemayim Kisi of the famous Haftorah and, and Rosh Chodesh. I'm still going to take the Haftorah of Parshas Mitzorah. I decided that I've wanted to do this for a long time to try to figure out what the Pshat is behind this Haftorah, and this is the time to do it. So, Malachim Beis, Perik Zion, Pasuk Gimel, says the following. This is in Perik Zion, Pasuk Gimel, the very beginning of, of the Haftorah. The Arba Anashim Hayim Mitzorayim, Pasuk Hashar. There were four Mitzorayim, four people with Saras, that were sitting by the opening of the gate. And each one said to their friend, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we should go into the city, well, there's a hunger in the city, we'll die there. If we sit here and we don't do anything at all, then we're going to die. Now, you know what we should do? We should go to the camp of Aram. If they let us live, then we'll live. And if not, then we'll die. And what difference does it make? That's what they said to each other. That's what the Mitzrayim said to each other. Now, the story behind this Haftorah is the city of Shomron was being sieged by the nation of Aram in the times of Yehoram, the king of Yisrael. This is Yehoram, the king of Yisrael. Yehoram was the second oldest son of Ahab, the evil king who had no chilek in Olam Haba, who became king, Yehoram did, after his brother Ahaziah had died, after asking from help, for help from Baal Zavuv, Right, the Azelbub, the angel of Zavuv, the Malach of Zavuv, instead of asking by Hashem, by the word of Eliyahu Anavi. Yehoram was not a very good king. He was killed by Yehu along with his entire family soon after this. The only one that survived was Asalia, and that's a story for another time. She was married into Malchus Yisrael, Malchus Yehuda. So that's, that's Yehoram. Elisha had already warned him many, many times what was going to happen if he didn't listen, but he didn't listen anyway. And now the city of Shomron was about to be destroyed by the nation of Aram. The nation of Aram had brought in a massive, massive army with many, many, many people all the way around, and it was going to be completely destroyed. But the day before, Elisha had promised them that a miracle was going to happen, and a miracle did happen. Aram was about to abandon all of their food, all of their possessions, all of their supplies, worried about a non-existent enemy, an enemy that wasn't existent, that they thought they had heard. And in the middle of nowhere, they were going to lose everything. Everything was going to be gone. The Shomron would be saved. And once again, Elisha's Nebuah would be shown to be correct. That was what was supposed to happen with Yehoram and what was going to happen in this, in this, in, during this famine. But these four Mitzurayim were staying outside. They were outside the city, as Mitzurahs usually were. And this is what we're talking about in the Haftorah itself. So the Gemara tells us an unbelievable thing. It's in Sanhedrin. And Kuv Zayin Mabez and Sota Mem Zayin Amaralaf. That these four men, the four Mitzurayim that we talk about over here, were Gehazi and his three unnamed sons. We don't see his sons named anywhere. Gehazi and his three sons. Who was Gehazi? Gehazi had been made a Mitzurah. Because he had run after Naaman. Now this deals with a different half Torah, where Elisha Hanavi had promised Naaman that he could get rid of his leprosy. He told him to get rid of his leprosy. It's Saras. He said to dip himself into the Jordan River. Naaman at first didn't believe him, but eventually followed him, and he decided he was going to dip, and he went down, and he, everything was healed. He came back to Elisha, and he said to Elisha, what can I give you? You saved me. You healed me. What can I give you? And Elisha's line back was, you don't have to give me anything. I did it not because I wanted to get something from you. I gave it because you're an awesome person. That's the only reason why I did it. I have 
I, I don't want to give, I don't want you to give me anything at all. But Gehazi was a person who didn't take, when he heard that something could be given, he's like, you know what, I'm going to go get it. Gehazi ran after him, asked Naaman for certain things. Elisha realized it through his nevuah and went back and said, Gehazi, you're cursed forever. You're cursed forever. You're going to be a mitzora forever. So he and his three sons, who I guess were part of this, all of them became mitzorayim, the curse extending to his kids as well. And this is who these four mitzorayim are, the four mitzorayim sitting outside the city were Gehazi and his three sons. How do we know that it was them and not anyone else? There are five answers to this question, how the Gemara knows this, and a sixth one we're going to see later on from Revolson. The Malbum says there should have been no mitzorayim in the area. Elisha had already healed everybody. Elisha had gotten rid of all the Mitzorayim, which is what the Jewish maidservant had said beforehand. There's no Mitzorayim in Kleisro. We don't have Mitzoras. So that's why she said to Naaman, you could do anything you want. There is no problem here. So how could there be four Mitzoras at the front of the city? How is it possible there were four Mitzoras in the front of the city? There shouldn't have been any Mitzoras whatsoever. Says the Malbim, it must be there were four people who couldn't be healed from their Tzoras. The only people who couldn't be healed from their Tzoras were Gehazi and his three sons. And that's why, says the Malbim, it says the words, the Arba Anashim it should say, four men that were Mitzoras, they were at the gate, the front of the gate of the city. But doesn't it says, as if these four men had to be Mitzoraim. How did they have to be Mitzoraim? Why would they have to be Mitzoraim? Answer is, says the Malbim, because they're the only ones left. They were the only ones whose saras could not be taken away because Elisha had promised to them because of what they did to Naaman. So it was never taken away ever again. That's why it says Hayim Mitzrayim. That's answer number one, how we know that it was Elisha, uh, Gehazi and his three kids. Marsha, he quotes the Kliyakar in Navi. The Kliyakar wrote a Sefer on Chomish and also in Navi. The Mar- Marsha quotes the Kliyakar that the word Hayu is in the wrong place. And he goes on and he says the Hayu goes into the Mitzrayim as well, similar to the Malbim, a little bit different. But it's a second answer based on the word Hayu as well. The Ramas Shmuel says they knew they were going to be Mitzrayim forever for Ali- from Elisha's curse. They knew it. When Elisha cursed them, they knew this is going to happen forever, which is why they knew they had no chance. They were going to die anyway. That's what they meant when they said, we're Vamas Nusham. We're just going to die. We're going to be Mitzrayim for the rest of our lives, and there's nothing that's going to be able to take that away from us. They knew that was going to happen, says the Ramas Shmuel. That's how the Madrashim know this must have been Elisha, the Gehazi and his sons, since they used the word Vamas three times referencing themselves. They had no chance to get out of this, and we know that we're dead anyway. So what point does it make? We might as well go to the other side. Avas Yonason, this is Rabbi Yonason Ibshiz. Rabbi Yonason Ibshiz is amazing in the Haftorahs. He's got a safer just in the Haftorahs themselves, and it's awesome. He says the word Sha'ar, the word gate, always refers to Torah. Whenever you see the word Sha'ar anywhere in Tanakh, think Torah. Think that that's what it's referring to over here. Learning should have been machaper for them. They should have learned, and that should have been their kapara, and that should have been it. They shouldn't have allowed themselves to remain Mitzrayim. If they were sitting at the Pesach Hashar, that means they were learning Torah. Learning Torah is a kapara. How in the world then, if they were learning Torah, and they should have gotten a kapara, were they still Mitzrayim? How in the world could that possibly be? The Gemara answers, it must have been Gehazi and his sons, that even though normally this would heal them, even though normally they would be healed by Torah, but Gehazi and his sons could not have been healed. That's the reason why we know that a Gehazi and his sons, because they couldn't be healed even through Torah. Even the power of Torah was not good enough to be able to heal them. That's what Davos Yonason says. The Margulis Yam says, we know this Gehazi and his three sons because they were sitting together 
Normally, Mitzrayim are badad yoshav michutzamachna. They have to sit by themselves. Every Mitzurah is in their separate place. You can't have all the Mitzrayim together in one place. How could they be together over here? And that's really in this parsha. Yud Gimel Membav, badad yoshav michutzamachna. Why were these four men sitting together? Why in the world were these four men allowed to sit together if they're all Mitzrayim? And the answer is because it was a different type of Torahs. They didn't have the same Alachos. This was Gechazi and his three sons. Therefore, they could be sitting together even though normally that wouldn't be allowed. That's an awesome answer to Margolis. I'm Ruben Margolis. And Ayelis HaShachar says, it's not clear. Rashi says that that a Mitzorah can sit with other Mitzorayim. They can't sit with other Tame people. A person who's Tame Mace, a person who's Tame Sharetz, a person who's Tame whatever it is of, cannot sit with someone who's a Mitzorah. But Mitzorayim maybe could sit together based on that Rashi itself. There is a Maritzchias in the Dharm, the Zayin of Abayz, that says the Allahis have to sit by themselves out of the Mitzorayim nearby, similar to what the Margolis Yam is saying, but it's unclear from Rashi himself if that's the actual Allahah. But that's five answers the Malbim, the Kliyaka, the Ramas Shmuel, the Margolis Yam, right? All together, and the Avis Yonasan, Rabbi Yonasan Ibshitz. Now, the Yam Lois Loe says that because of their status as Mitzrayim, they weren't allowed in the city of Shomron. The city of Shomron was a walled city. As the Pasuk says in our parsha, Michutz Lamachanem Moshevo. They have to be outside the camp. You can't be inside a walled city. That's the halacha. They can't be inside. Rashi, the Ralbag, the Redak, and Mitsudas David, all Rishonim or late Rishonim, they all say this. And they add that there was a place right by the gate where they left open for all Mitzrayim. And that's where they were sitting. Arba Anashim Hayim Mitzrayim Pesach Hashar. They were outside the city because it was a walled city. They were by the gate because it was a special place for Mitzrayim there. And that's that. And this halacha is mentioned in Kalim, Perak Aleph Mishnah Zion. That's what it says in Perak Aleph Mishnah Zion in Kalim itself. Miyam however, quotes, he says, technically this halacha didn't apply to the city of Shomron. This was not a city walled from the times of, of Yoshua. The Shomron was built by Omri. Omri was a king before Ahav. He was king for a very, very short amount of time. But he built the Shomron. He built that city and remained that way for many years. It was not a walled city from the days of Yoshua. It was a walled city from the days of Omri. So what does that mean? That means that the Mitzrayim shouldn't have been kicked out of the city. So even though all those Rishonim said that, the Miam Lois says it seems to have been made later on. Now, Art Scroll, in their Navi, you know, the, the blue Navi that they have, it looks like that stone Chumash, but it's written on Navi itself. So in that blue Navi that they have says, Umri didn't found this city. He expanded it from what it was. It was already a walled city beforehand, and he just made it bigger. So Shomron was a walled city from the times of Yoshua, like Rashi, the Ralbag, the Radak, and everything. And he just went through. That must be the opinion of all the Rishonim above. The art school doesn't quote anybody on that. He seems to quote something from, from Yoz and Ibshitz, but as we'll see, it's not exactly what he says. But similar, that idea could at least be, maybe Shomron was, and when it says that Amri built the city, it means that he made it bigger. He made it huger, and therefore, huger is a word, right? And therefore, because of that, they had to be kicked out because it was really a city, a walled city from the times of Yeshua ben Nun. Now that's one. It could be number two, a second answer, that the kings of Israel wanted to enhance the status of their capital by making it appear ancient and important. And therefore, they excluded lepers from it. 
listen, our city is really important. It really isn't that important. The Shomron is a newer city, and you didn't have to kick Mitzorayim out. But since in Yerushalayim they kicked Mitzorayim out, we're kicking lepers out of our city also. They wanted to treat it just like that. The Mesha Chachma and the Oznayim Latora says exactly that. The kings of the Shomron wanted to treat their city equal to the city of Yerushalayim. They wanted their city to be exactly like the city of Yerushalayim itself, to be exactly like what the city of Yerushalayim was. They said specifically... Because Yerushalayim has these laws, we're going to have these laws as well. And that's exactly what it said. And that's what it says later in Perichas Pasuk Dalis. seems to be similar. He allowed them to come in later on. Why? Because their law officially wasn't a real law. Rabbi Akiva Eger brings something strange in that Mishnah in Kalim. Rabbi Kivegar says, based on Targum and Malachim Aleph Perikhov Dalid, where it says that Umri built up this city, it says, Vizavin Yaskrachia Dilishomron. They built up the walled city of Shomron. It sounds from Targum, says Rabbi Kiva Eger, that that was exactly true. That's exactly what happened. It was a walled city, and they just rebuilt it. It sounds like that original answer of the Miam Loes in the art scroll, what the art scroll was saying, but that answer, and that seems to be exactly what it says. And there's a redak over there in Malachim Al-Perech Abdallah seems to say that as well. It sounds like that's the actual halacha. Rav Chaim Kenevsky, in Taima de Croix, says the Gemara argues on this in Sanhedrin Kuf Beis. There's no way it was a walled city. It says straight out, Omri was Zoha to become king in Klau Yisrael. The reason why he was Zoha, he was not the son of a king, nor did he have children that became kings. He was king for a very short time. But he became king. The reason why he became king is because he added a city that never existed to Eretz Yisrael. If this was already a city and he just made it a bigger wall, then he didn't add on a city. He doesn't deserve to be king. So if the Gemara says he only became king because he added on this area, he added on this city, it must be that it was not a city beforehand. It seems to be that that's the answer beforehand. That's Rukhain Knievsky and how he argues on that Rebbe Kiva Eger, and he argues on the art school's answer, on that answer of the art school itself. Instead, he thought that maybe it was a rule that they kept people out. Why? Because people that were Mitzorayim back then, some of them were contagious. Not always was Tsaras of the Torah, Tsaras of the Torah may not have been contagious, which was a spiritual disease, a spiritual malady. It could be that this is contagious. So since it was Sakanas Nefashos, it was a danger to their lives, they kicked them out immediately, not knowing if it was because of the Halacha, because you got to keep them out, or because maybe they're contagious, and that's what they did. But he admits that the wording of Rashi is very strange. That's not what Rashi sounds like, but nonetheless, that's what he holds. Now, the Margolius Yam again, Rebruven Margolius, in Sanhedrin Kovzai number 9, says Mitzorayim were dangerous to be around, and this is a massive machlok. It's not a time for right now. I believe I gave a shir on it about eight years ago, on whether or not Saras is contagious or not. I think I have it on my website, and it's there. Since It sounds like it's there. In Vayikra Rabba, Perak Tazayin, Rabbi Yochanan says you have to stay four amos away from a Mitzorah. Four amos away from a Mitzorah. Reish Lakish says four amos, a hundred amos away from a Mitzorah. Again, because of the contagion issue. And they're not arguing. As a side note, by the way, four amos is six feet. So it's good that we're now in the situation where we're supposed to be six feet away from each other. They clearly didn't know America doesn't hold to the Chazanish. I'm just saying right now, they hold like Rabbi Yochanan, but they don't hold like the Chazanish in Rabbi Yochanan's shir. So America's Mekel. America's Mekel. Okay, I just I wanted to point that out. It's like, I'm sorry? It's true. 
Eretz Yisrael, on the other hand, right, they're for sure, they're a hundred almost away from each other, you can't even, yeah, for sure, that's the idea behind it. Chazanish, especially B'nai Brak, right? They were Machmer only afterward, that's what ended up coming out. But that's the idea, and it seems like the, the way the Medrash answers is they're not really arguing, it depends on how windy the day is. Does the wind carry it or not carry it? That seems to be the argument of what goes on over there. Das Zikana mentions this as well, as the reason for why Mitzrayim are supposed to sit by themselves. Why do they have to sit by themselves? Since this Saras was not the spiritual one, it sounds like it was a physical malady, an actual disease. Naaman did not have the spiritual tsaras because he spoke Lashon Hara. Naaman had tsaras because he was, he was sick. He had a sickness. When that tsaras of Naaman went to the Arba Mitzrayim, to Gehazi and his three sons, when that switched over, it was a physical malady. It was a physical sickness. It was something that they couldn't get over. That's what was went over from one to the other. Says, this is the way that he understands it, the Dasakanim says it, it seems like, therefore, they weren't being kicked out of the city because it was halakhically what they had to do. That's not where they were kicked out of the city because they wouldn't have to be. Number one, Shomron was not a walled city. Number two, that's not the halakha regarding these guys. This was a physical malady. They kicked out of the city because they were contagious. There was something about them and that's why they kicked them out and that's that. That's how the Margolis Yam answers it based on the Dasakanim and that by Yikoraba. And similarly, it seems to be that that's what Rav Chaim Knievsky says as well. Now, Really, this is also a quote from a Yalko Gershuni. The Yalko Gershuni is quoting Avas Yonason. Rabbi Yonason Ibshitz definitely says that as well, that since it was a contagious disease, therefore it was there. So it's all from, I, I don't know if originally, but Rabbi Yonason Ibshitz based on that by Yikoraba. I later saw the exact same thing by the Aznaim Latora. They weren't Makbina many Alachos. They kept other things in the city. Since Ras was contagious, they kicked them out completely. That was the idea behind it. Now these men were absolutely desperate. They're sitting there and they're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're sitting outside the city. There's famine in the city. The war is outside. They're ready to break into the city itself. What are we going to do in order to live? These four Mitzrayim said you to Gehazi and his three sons said to each other. What are we supposed to do? They discussed, let's break into the city anyway. Whether they let us in or not, let's try to break in. Perhaps everyone was so starving, they wouldn't notice us. They won't notice us. Maybe they'd allow us in because the alternative was to be captured or killed by the enemy. Saving someone's life overrules the Allah has a It's either we die by the hands of this army out there or we go inside the city. So maybe they'll let us in the city for that very reason. They didn't know. They had absolutely no idea, but they were willing to take that chance. They realized that even if they did get in, right, they said, you know what, Bamas Nusham, then we'll just die there. They realized, but there's a hunger in the city. Even if they let us in, there's no help. We're not going to be able to help ourselves. They won't be able to do anything over here. That's Bamas So they didn't know what to do. The Barbanel says in the end, they decided we better to put their lives on the line to go to the enemy. They were already saying Bamas Vomasnu is past tense. We have already died. That's how they felt about themselves. They felt like we're already dead. That's how bad it is. Meaning, if we go back to the city in which there's hunger, we're already dead. If we stay here, we're already dead. Past tense, we're already dead. When about saving their lives, they say, Vinichya, we will live if we go to them. To say that will almost be like a Tchiyas HaMesim, because we're already dead. If we go there to the camp of Aram, maybe we'll get better. Maybe something will be better. That's how the Abarbanel learns this up. In Avodah Zarah Chav we learn from here that if a person is sure he's going to die anyway, it's a very scary thing to say, but if a person is positive, you're going to die anyway, you can place yourself in the hands of non-Jews who will likely kill them. Even go to a doctor who's not Jewish and could hurt them. It's allowed to do it because if you think you're going to die anyway, then you can go somewhere else where they might kill you. But only if you're positive that you might die. That's a Vodazar Chavzayin Abbas. But if he thinks he might live without their help, 
right? If he thinks he might live, he has no, there is no way he can go to somebody that he thinks might kill you. Now, that is a major Gemara when it comes to tasking for a guy if he can have a surgery, right, in order to heal something, but he might die. Now, he's dying, but if he takes this surgery, he still might die. What do you do? This Gemara is a huge Gemara when it comes to that. What do you do in that situation? If I have the surgery, I might live. It might kill me sooner. But if I don't have the surgery, I'm definitely going to die. So what's Salah? Am I allowed to take that surgery or not? It's a huge Shaila. A huge Shaila. And that's what the, and based on that Gemara Vodazara, it's brought up based on this Pusik that they said. It's funny that we're learning from Gehazi, right? We're learning from Gehazi who has no Chilik in Olam Haba and his three sons who are all Mitzorayim, right? Who we never hear. We don't even know their names. And the Gemara Paskins, based on this, that you're allowed to do it in such a case. What are you going to say? What is it? Let's say you have an 80% chance of dying. I, I, I'm not going to specifics. This is a huge thing. You're going with pages and pages and pages of Ramosha. So later, we can do the Ramosha together, the Igros, right? And we'll go through them. There's, I, I think, six chuvas on this, but only regarding this Gemara itself, right? But it, yes, there's a lot. There's a lot. And Baruch Hashem, I don't have to paskin on this. We'll give this over to a bigger rub. That'll be a much bigger thing. In fact, the Oznayim Latorah, the Sefer Oznayim Latorah says, this is why the Pusik doesn't tell us who the Mitzorayim were. If the Pusik told us it was Gehazi and his three sons, you'd say, how could I learn a halacha from Gehazi? I can't learn a halacha from Gehazi. David Amelech was makbid not to quote Doe Gwadomi, because Doe Gwadomi and Achilak and Olohabi was a Russia. So he refused to quote him. It's Sanhedrin Kuvav. He refused to quote Doe Gwadomi. So too, we wouldn't be able to quote these four Mitzrayim. So it would be uster to learn from them unless we know that it's somebody else. If the Torah quotes them Stam, almost like a Stam Mishnah, then we can paskin like them, even though it's Gehazi and his three sons. That's exactly what he says. It's crazy. Now let's go into something a little more, you know, Ruchni oriented. This was clearly a possibility of a tikkun for Gehazi, possibly from the tefilos of his Rebbe Elisha. What did Gehazi do wrong? What was his problem? He was arrogant. He was selfish. He was greedy in his interaction interaction with Naaman. He took everything for himself. He wanted money for himself, and he refused to take no for an answer. Gehazi now had an opportunity to care about others. He could now be the instrument of their Yeshua. He could help them. He could cause their salvation. Ultimately, though, he still had those Midos Rose. And when he saw the money out there, he went and took stuff for himself and only later thought, oh, I should probably tell the city. His first thought, Gehazi and his three sons, take stuff for ourselves, maybe later we'll leave stuff for our city itself. That was such a horrible, horrible raw that he no longer has his Tikkun. He lost that Chilik and Olaha before it. The Chassam Sofer says it makes sense to say that these four people were not terrible people in the eyes of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. They were ready to do tshuva as soon as they could. And therefore, this huge miracle happened through them. Remember, they're the ones who found it first. They're the ones who were the Mavasar Tovs. They were t- telling over these things. They were still at the Pesach Hashar, completely outside the realm of Kedusha, and yet they were ready for a full tikkun, and a Kaddish Baruch Hu put it in their hands. Put it in their hands. Normally, Mitzrayim are full of klipos, the Chassam Sofer says. They're filled with tumah. They can't get into a city they can't fill themselves with Kedusha because of all the tuma around them. Normally that's what happens. Asik, Sitna, the words that are used for them. But that's only true by Mitzorayim that are there because of Lashon Hara. Gehazi was a little bit different. Gehazi and his sons got it because they were stingy. They tried stealing. They tried taking. They weren't normal Mitzorayim. They tried taking their Rebbe away from other people. Gehazi didn't allow other people to sit down in the yeshiva of Elisha. So too, they were at the door of the gates. They were kicked out from over there. But in the end, the Chassam Sofer says, nonetheless, they had a chance, they had the tikkun, they had the ability right there in front of them, and they lost it. They lost completely. So why didn't he do tshuva? 
So the Gemara says in Sota and Sanhedrin, he was Machtias Arabim. He caused others to sin, Gehazi, by kicking them out. And by doing so, he knew he wouldn't have the opportunity to do tshuva. Similar to Yashka, which the Gemara also goes through in the Chasrona Sashas, just like Yashka wasn't given the opportunity to do tshuva, Gehazi himself felt there's no way I'm going to be able to do tshuva. He must have, I guess, caused others to go off, even though we don't see it, him and his sons. And somehow he knew there was no way he was going to be able to do tshuva. But they were given a chance, and they blew it. And that's the famous line, Shuvu banim shovin chutz me'acher. Do tshuva, my children. Everybody can do tshuva, except for acher. What do you mean? Acher, Elisha ben didn't have a chance to do tshuva. He did, but there was no siyat It's too hard for him. Gehazi also had a chance, but it's too hard for him. And unfortunately, he lost. And he even knew it. He said, Vamasnu, I'm already dead. It doesn't even matter for me anymore. I'm Vamasnu, I'm completely gone. And that's the crazy part, says the Chsam Sofer. The Chsam Sofer says something unbelievable. They were willing to make themselves captives by Aram's army. They said, we're going to die, we're going to die. If we go inside, we're going to die. If we stay here, we're going to die. If we go to Aram, at least we'll live. Hold on a second. There's a Gemara Baba Basra. It says, Shvi Kasha Mikulam. The worst thing that a person could possibly do is be captured and be put and become a POW. Because everything that a person could possibly do, it's torture being a POW, being a prisoner of war. How could you suggest, instead of dying where you are, becoming a prisoner? If Shvi Kasha Mikulam, if it's worse to be a prisoner, how could you put yourself in the position to do it? Says the Chsam Sofer, it's impossible. Why would he have done such a thing? The Chsam Sofer says brilliantly, he was done. When he says Vamasnu, he means I'm dead for Torah. I'm dead for Olam Haba. I'm out. I'm going to go there. I'm going to go to the other side. I'm going to be part of their world. I'm turning into an Aramean. I'm, I'm going back straight for them. I'm going in their situation, in their position. I'm giving up everything that I hold near and dear. In that case, the Shvi isn't worse than death. They're not planning on being captives. They're planning on giving themselves over to the enemy to be like the enemy. That's what they thought they were going to do, to get Olam Hazet instead of Olam Haba. And that's their line. They said, should we go into the, into the, the, the what's it called, back into the city? Vamasnu, we're already dead. We're not getting anything in Olam Haba. If we stay here, Vamasnu, we're dead in Olam Haba. What difference does that make? But if we go there, we're going to live. We'll get at least Olam Hazet. Let's get some Olam Hazet before we're out. And they were lucky that they didn't get that Olam Hazet. They saw that everybody was gone and they lost out on what they wanted and still had a chance to do Olam Haba by going back and telling them like that. But they waited and thus lost their Chelek in Olam Haba. Abbas Yonin says, says Abbas Yonin goes through a holy thing. He says they were thinking of different ways to bring themselves a Kapara. They knew Gehazi had sworn falsely. I don't know where he swore falsely, but I guess to Naaman. And the punishment for that would, would be Gullus. Maybe the Gullus that they were taking right now to go into captivity would be Machaper for their Chiyuv Kares, their Chiyuv of Tsaras. Maybe that would heal them. That's what they were thinking over here. They didn't know, but they thought maybe that would be the reward and to be some way to be able to go over there. Abbas Yonasan asked the question, Right, and this is third piece that he says, and then we're going to go into Revolson, right? This idea. Absalom says, why this great news had to be given to Yehoram in the city of Shomron through four Mitzorayim? Now, we're going into the four Mitzorayim. We've been talking about them, who they are, their tikkun, their ideas, everything for them. But why did Yehoram and the city of Shomron deserve to have it through four Mitzorayim? Through four people who were pure Mitzoras. Why did that happen to them? I mean, it's bad people. And he explains a Gemara so beautifully, so beautifully. We know that there's a Gemara in Sanhedrin around Sadi Ches. I didn't look it up. I think it's Sadi Ches Menal. It says, Dor Shaben Zakai Ba, Shaben David Ba, 
the door, the generation that Mashiach will come in, will be Kulo Zakai o Kulo Chayev. The generation when Mashiach will come will be entirely innocent or entirely guilty. So, says Rabbi Yonason, I understand if it's Kulo Zakai. That makes a lot of sense, right? Mashiach's going to come because we're all innocent we're all awesome. I totally understood. That makes a ton of sense. So you would go ahead and you'd think, like, okay, that's how he goes through. That makes a ton of sense. Kulo Chayev? If we're all guilty, Hashem's like, that's it, I can't stand anymore. Bring Mashiach. Awesome. So it's all sin. What are we thinking? What we all should be doing right now is every single one of us should be doing Chatayim. Become Kulo Chayev, and then we'll bring Mashiach. What in the world are we doing? Like, we should go to Ruchayim Knievsky and be like, stop, just stop. Just do something wrong. Here, have a candy bar that's Chol of Stam. That's what we should be doing. How does that, how does that make any sense? That makes sense to you? That if it's Kulochayv, all of a sudden Mashiach is going to come? The answer is, it's beautiful. When Bnei Yisrael act badly, and they do terrible things, like eating Chol of Stam. That's, that's my example, right? That's my example of eating terrible things. Deserving to be destroyed. Hashem will not destroy them because of the oath he took with Avram Avinu. When they deserve to be destroyed, Hashem says, this is it. I can't stand them. I want them out. I don't want to deal with them anymore. That's it. He wants to get rid of them. At that moment, at that moment, HaKadosh Baruch remembers the Shavuah he made to Avram Avinu, promising him he would never trade his nation for any other. And therefore, he needs to save Klai Yisrael. Therefore, whenever Klai Yisrael are close to self-destruct, when they're in that mode of, oh my gosh, we're going to destroy ourselves, Hashem steps in and stops it by redeeming them before they're all Chayiv Kliya. We've seen this. B'nai Yisrael are on the 49th level of Tuma. They're on the lowest level of Tuma. If they stay in Mitzrayim for even one more minute, they're on the 50th level of Tuma and they'll never be able to be saved. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu brought them out. Why? They were Kulo Chayiv. Let them die. Because he promised Avar Avramino that's what he was going to do. The simon for this is Kulo Afach Lavan Torhu in our Parsha. When the Tsaras is entirely white, his whole body is white from top of the head to the bottom of his toes. He's white all over. He's the biggest white boy you've ever seen before in your life. At that point, Tahor Hu. He is completely Tahor. Even though, what do you mean? The white spot makes you tame. But if it's all Kulo Chayiv, completely white, then at that point, there's no choice. We can't do anything more. He goes to Avram Avinu and says, Avram Avinu, I promised I would save your children. I'm saving your children. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu was given Saras as one of his signs. When Moshe Rabbeinu turned to HaKadosh Baruch and said, why do they deserve to be saved? Hashem said, put your hand in, take your hand out, and it's white. It's filled with Saras. Why? Because it's not about them. At that point, once they get to Kulo Chayiv, then it's about Avram Avinu. And once that happened, they had to be saved anyway. And that's what happened with the Mitzorayim over here. These four Mitzorayim were the Mavasrim, because they, the whole city of Shomron, the whole Yehoram, was so guilty and so evil, they deserved to be destroyed. The only reason why they're being saved is because of God's promise to Avram Avinu. That's the only reason why they're being saved. Therefore, their salvation came through a person who's a Mitzorah. That was the simon for them. He came through a person just like Moshe Rabbeinu at Saras when he pulled out his hand. That's the Mitzorayim that came over here. It's a beautiful Rabbi Yonis and it really connects those three completely. And that's the Pshat Bian Kulo Chayev. Do you want to ask? So why don't we all do Chatayim? And then we'll rely on the Skot Avram and then we'll go to Shia.
much worse that way. That means more of a punishment. That means that a Moshe Rabbeinu, like a Mashiach, will have to have Tsaras before we're saved. That means it's going to be done through the Mitzorayim in a way that's going to be much worse for us. So at the end of the day, it's better if Mashiach comes in a situation where it's Kulo Zakai. We'll take it if it's Kulo Chayiv, but it's much worse for us in the end. Call it the War of Gog and Magog versus us getting out of it. You get what I'm saying? That, that's the difference between it. We want Kulo Zakai. In fact, in the Sitter, we have a little bit of time. In Kabbalah Shabbos, you actually say it in Kabbalah Shabbos without even realizing it. So I heard this from my Rosh Shiva from Rabbi Lairfield years ago, but it says in the second uh, Tehillim that we say, Shiru Hashem, it says, Lifnei Hashem Kiva, Kiva Lishpot Aretz, Yishpot Munaso. It says Kiva, Kiva twice. In the fourth one, Mizmor Shir, etc., Mizmor Shiru Hashem Shir Chadash, it says, um, Lifnei Hashem Kiva, just once, Lishpot Aretz, Yishpot Tebel B'Tzadim why does it say Kiva once, and then over there it says Kiva twice? And the Pshat is, and it's a beautiful Pshat, but this is from my Rebbe Lairfield. He wrote in his Sefer, and um, Binas Daniel, and Chemdas Daniel, in the second Sefer. He says the following, he says, when, a, when the people are doing good things, when they're Bimei Sharim, Mashiach comes without Elio and Avi. It's just Kiva. Mashiach comes because Amin Bimei Sharim. You don't need Elio and Avi. Mashiach just comes in because we're awesome. But if, unfortunately, things are bad and it's Amin Be'emunaso, where Emes Be'emuna, we only trust in a Kaddish Baruch we're not doing great things, at that point, it's Kiva, Kiva. Because he comes, it's Elio Anavi, Kiva, Mashiach comes. That's what it's going to be over there. So we're hoping that it's Kiva because we're Amin Be'emesharim. That's what we hope. But if it's Amin Be'emunaso, then unfortunately, it's just one Kiva. Uh, then it's uh, Kiva, Kiva, Mashiach with Elio and Avi beforehand. We're going to end with this revulsion in Amunasi Tacha. It's a beautiful piece. He says another answer that's truly amazing. Yes, how Chazal knew that this was Gechazi. That's number one. Then he asks, what were they saying to one another? He's over here. Vachan, Vamasnu, Vachanichaya, whatever. What were they saying to each other? And finally, why did the king at first not believe them at all? They said, this is crazy. This doesn't make any sense. And then afterward, he sent out his own messengers to verify that he was telling the truth. And only then they believed it. Why? You have four people telling you that this happened and he didn't believe them. He sends one guy out and he, he believes that guy? He doesn't believe the four, but he believes the one? What's the difference? So here, Revolson says... Anyone who tells over a little bit of good news, if you're Zilcha to say good news over to somebody, like, oh, they just had a baby. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. My gosh, Mashiach's here. If you get to be the Mavasar, you have a nitzutz, a spark of Elua Navi within you at that moment. He goes on about this about Serach Bas Usher. Serach Bas Usher is the queen of telling over good news. Serach Bas Usher is the one who's pakod pakadati. Serach Bas Usher is the one who told Yaakov Avinu that, Binyamin, that Yosef at Tzadik was still alive. Serach Bas Usher is the one who's around telling her, telling Moshe Rabbeinu where Yosef at Tzadik is buried. She is the Mavaster Tov, and that's why he says that Serach Bas Usher is Serach and Eliyahu Anavi at the same time. He is, she has the Neshama of Eliyahu Anavi within her, which is why there's 70 people that went down because Serach Bas Asher really counts as two. It's an amazing board, but that's for another time. This is in Parshish by Yigash. Years ago, that's where Wolfson. If you do this, you become a Mavasar Tov, you tell over good news, you become like Eli Wanabi. At that moment, you can take advantage of that Kiddusha. You at that moment, when you tell over good news, you are Eli Wanabi. You have him within you. You could be miling yourself to a very high level if you know how to do so properly. These four Mitzorayim were hoping for just that. They were sitting, grabbing food, grabbing money, grabbing everything, and all of a sudden, Gechaz, he said, wait, wait, 
wait, if we tell the good news here to the king, if we go to Yehoram and Shomron and tell them what happened, we'll be Mevasrei Tov. If we're Mevasrei Tov, that might heal us from our Tsaras. Why would it heal them from their Tsaras? Well, think about it. If Tsaras is like death, it's one of the four things that's like death. It's like death because it's a white spot. It looks like your skin is dyed. It's something that's horrible given by a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Then they had to attach themselves to the Malach Rafael. The Malach Rafael is connected, he says, to the number eight. That's why Rafa'enu is the eighth bracha of Shemona Esrei. To the number eight. Eight is beyond our world. There's seven of our world and eight is beyond the world. It's a Rafua that's beyond our world over here. He had to connect to a level above seven, above that, to eight. That's where Elionavi is. Elionavi is in a world above everything else. He's a body and yet a Malach at the same time. He's not in the seven. But he's not exactly like the Malachim up there as well. He's right in the middle. If they connect to Elo Anavi, the Malach of Rafua, the Malach of Brismila, the Malach of Eight, they'll be healed from their Tsaras. So Gekhazi turned to everybody and said, we need to go tell over this good news. This is our chance. But Elisha's curse was too great for that, says Revolson. The king refused to believe the good news. They lost the opportunity to be Mavas Tov. They lost that opportunity. The king sent another shliach to go see what was going on over there. And he was Zoha to say over the good news. And when he came back, the people accepted him. And they weren't Zoha because Elisha didn't want them to be Zoha, causing Gehazi and his sons to remain Mitzrayim forever, not being able to connect to Elio and Avi in the level of Shmona. That's why the Gemara tells us who they are. Because the Gemara can't believe that they weren't believed. The Gemara can't believe that they squandered an opportunity to be like Elio and Avi. How could they have not gotten it? Why were they not Zohan? The answer is because it was Gehazi. And Gehazi didn't deserve to be the be together with the Malach of Mila. The Gehazi didn't deserve to have a Rafua Shlema. He lost out. And nonetheless, even though they weren't Zohan, the Gemara tells us that Gehazi has no Chelek in Olam Haba. The Shoresh of his Neshama, the root of his Neshama is still on a high level. Eventually, the Shoresh of the Neshama of Gehazi will get its due. Eventually, he will be a Mavasar Tov in some way. And we don't know how that happened or if it already happened. Eventually, he will be a Mavasar Tov. Soon, he'll be able to connect or maybe he already has connected with Elio Anavi because he was allowed to glimpse his Tikkun here, even if he couldn't actualize it in his lifetime. And that lesson is awesome. That teaches us, even if Gehazi couldn't find his Tikkun and find his way back, anyone can do so. That's a huge tikkun for all of us. We all have the ability to find a Kaddish Baruch and bring ourselves back and allow ourselves to be there. All we need is a little bit of help to understand how great we are on the inside. And that's the concept. And that's what we talked about over here. So I'm sorry I talked about the Haftorah, but it is an awesome plug for my Navi Shiram, which are on RabbiZvizimmerman.com. Zvizimmerman spelled with a Z and not a T because I'm awesome. So RabbiZvizimmerman.com. But I will tell you that that is an awesome plug for the Navi Shiram itself. Just saying, I do have a lot of stuff on Malachim Bays and it's all up there. But regardless... Regardless, this idea of what Elisha and Gehazi represent, this idea of being able to be metakin yourself, is an amazing, amazing idea. All right, shkai everyone. Have a great Shabbos. Good.